My son-in-law, Dominic, is an American youth pastor, and it was lovely to spend time with him and our daughter and two grandchildren in Pennsylvania. And it was good to attend their United Methodist Church and to experience their summer preaching series, which was under the theme of Whose Verse Is It Anyway? And the members of the church put into a pot verses that they would like the preachers to preach on on Sunday. And then on Sunday, one of the preachers had to draw a text from the pot and then had just 15 minutes whilst the worship leaders would lead the worship to prepare a sermon and deliver it, uh, showing their knowledge of the Bible, but also the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, Dominic's verse was, Jesus wept. And I have to say, he knocked the ball out of the park. It was a cracking sermon, and he preached it at a drop of a hat, and I was very proud of him. Another Sunday, Pastor John, well, he certainly had my prayers, because he had an obscure passage from Judges. I can't even remember reading, although, reading, although I must have done. And I'm not sure I could have delivered what was a 45-minute sermon, impromptu, <laughs> Uh, on such a tough text. But I did find it very encouraging to see spirit-led preaching, but also people who knew their Bibles. John Wesley would have loved the challenge, I'm sure, although he wasn't known for his brevity uh, when he preached. But I have to say that I wouldn't have wanted to draw the text uh, that I had given to me today from the lectionary uh, some would say it's too top to handle this particular text. You see, preachers like to preach about angels and the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We like that. We like to preach on blessed are the peacemakers, like Lansford did earlier. We like that. We like to tell of Jesus the reconciler, urging uh, using verses like Ephesians 2, 14 and following, for Jesus himself is our peace, who has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, thus making peace. We like texts like that. But today's text is much more uncomfortable. You see, the truth is, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, did actually say, do you think I came to bring peace on earth. No, I tell you, but division. Wow. The same Jesus who teaches on the importance of forgiving and peacemaking and not judging, and that is all important, did also actually give this hard saying about him bringing division. Well, only the PV Bible omits verses like Luke 12, 51. That's the perforated edition where you can tear out the bits that you don't like. But good Methodists don't use the PV. They use the NIV or the RSV and all of it. And we take the Bible seriously. And we wrestle with the whole of the Bible, including the difficult verses, and seek out their meaning in its context. Yes, of course, Jesus came to bring peace that the world cannot give, to destroy the dividing wall of hostility through the cross. Yet we must be realistic and honest. The promised peace of God's kingdom isn't always just around the corner. 
Jesus came to bring peace, but he also came to bring judgment, fire, and even division too. And that's why these verses are followed by verse 54 and following, which talks about the need for discerning the times. And I'm going to come on to that in a moment. So let's look at the context of Luke chapter 12, which contains some of the teaching of Jesus while he was uh, in Judea. And in that chapter, he gives both warnings, but also encouragements for the crowds, but also for Jesus' disciples. And Jesus' earlier teaching had been about not worrying, and then it's balanced by the call to be alert. Be alert, as the American bumper sticker says, we need more alerts. (laughs) Well, I thought it was funny anyway. Uh, Be alert. We need to be watchful for Jesus' coming to us. We need to be prepared for the implications of responding to him. I think uh, Lansford preached about that uh, a week or so ago. And also the implications of not responding to him too. The community that Jesus had gathered around him had also to learn that life wasn't always going to be rosy. The fact is the gospel isn't always easy and nice. It's real It's true. It's earthy. And Jesus had hinted at this in Luke 12, verse 50, by alluding to his forthcoming death. I have a baptism to undergo, he said, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. You see, Jesus knew he had to suffer and die. And he had come into conflict with his family too. And then his followers surely couldn't expect anything different from the fact that our Lord was going to experience difficulty and division. Remember how in Luke 10, uh, 72, returned from going out uh, to the harvest field and they rejoiced that the demons bowed down to them. Well, they needed to learn after all that rejoicing that challenges were actually ahead too. Things might be tougher when they're speaking with their nearest and dearest than when they were out on mission. It would be tough in their own communities under foreign domination. And elsewhere, Jesus had actually pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Yet his followers had to make decisions about Jesus, about his teaching, and were not to avoid the consequences of living the life of Christ. And Jesus was clearly getting impatient. He had time for outcasts. He had time for children. He had time for the sick and those who needed healing. He had time for those who were seekers after truth. But he didn't have time to waste. His three-year ministry was leading towards his death. And so there were things that he needed to say. And he said, I have come to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. There'll be many prophets who will tell us what our itching ears want us to hear. Jesus came to tell the truth, and it's only the Spirit that will lead us into all truth, and truth about God's love, but truth about God's judgment too. And this is where the reading from Jeremiah 
becomes very relevant. As in Jeremiah's day, many were claiming to speak for God. But Jeremiah, a prophet himself, points out that some actually were lying in God's name or not telling the whole truth, taking people's attention away from God, giving people what they wanted like useless idols, like the God of Baal. Donald Trump may have popularized and even exploited the idea of fake news, but the world and even the church has been awash with untruths and half-truths. And yet, despite this fact, we still sanitize the truth often. We contain the truth. We ignore the truth. But one day, the truth will out. And the Jeremiah passage makes it very clear that our intimate God who comes alongside us, who loves us, who knows us, is also our transcendent holy judge whose word is dangerous like fire. It needs to be handled correctly. It'll burn us if we don't. And it needs to be approached with caution and respect. Jeremiah 23, verse 28 and following. Let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. Let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord? Like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Here, lies and half-truths are likened to straw. Grain, on the other hand, is good for nourishment. The fire of God's Word is powerful. It burns the rubbish and the dross, but it only refines metal. It doesn't damage it. The hammer of God's Word can break the hardest of hearts, but it also helps to find the minerals that are within the rock. In these days, we need true prophets who'll feed on God's Word and expound it faithfully and who are baptized with the Spirit of God. And if there's anyone listening this morning who's considering becoming a preacher, it's a high calling and it carries great responsibility. Yet the Lord needs people who are hungry for the Word of God, who will wrestle with the text and seek to apply it prophetically in these days, whether as a preacher or just simply as a witness at work or among friends or with family. Let's go back to Jesus' hard saying. Although God's Word often calls for family unity, marital harmony, Jesus also says that when people come to him, they become his disciples, they receive his forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, it'll sometimes result in division, even between husbands and wives and other family members. You see, families won't always agree, and nor will we in the family of the church. Yes, of course, we want to be peacemakers. We want to uh, try and reconcile and be brought together. But sometimes we will disagree on things that are really important to us. And we have to be honest about what God's Word is saying to us and keep our integrity about God's Word. 
I remember how hard it was to tell my parents that uh, I was going to become a Christian. They were uh, churchgoers. Uh, They sent me to church, but I don't think they really expected me to become (laughs) a committed Christian. And later, I felt called to go to Bible college, and that was hard for them. And how hard was it when I felt the call to presbyteral ministry? Now, they always respected my beliefs. They always encouraged me. They were supportive, but they never really fully understood. And at times, it was divisive. And how hard it was when, thank the Lord, my brother became a Christian. And then they had to live with that uh, as well. Who here has the perfect family? I don't guess there'll be many hands that will go up. Who here has ever found the perfect church? I'm not expecting you to put your hand up, by the way. (laughs) But there isn't always a perfect church. None of us if the truth be told, are perfect. When push comes to shove, will we be faithful to our Lord even though it means it may be difficult at times? Will we pray with those that we disagree with or with those that we long to share the gospel with? The gospel may seem too hot to handle at times. It certainly needs to be handled with care but we must take seriously the internal truths that are entrusted to us. They can't be ignored. In Matthew 10, 37 and following, Jesus makes this plain. Anyone who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. These are hard sayings but we need to hear them. Jesus' radical and righteous way of life won't be understood or accepted by all. Some will even hate the message, even to the extent of killing their own family members or betraying them to brutal religious or civil authorities. And the persecuted church around the world may better understand Jesus' words here about division than we do because they experience it. The recent stabbing of Sir Salman Rushdie is a wake-up call to the ugly reality of religious intolerance. You see, my reading of the Bible doesn't guarantee that everyone will actually turn to Christ and be saved. The offer is for all, Jesus died for all. His intention and offer is to save all, but some will resist the invitation. Our job is simply to share the good news, to be consistent in our devotion, to keep our integrity, to be faithful in our wise prayer and witness, to be prepared for persecution if necessary, and to bear with separation if it should come. Whatever, we mustn't estimate, underestimate the Spirit's fire. It's not ours to know whether that message is too hot to handle for others. Some people may just be waiting for us to share the good news of the gospel with them. I wonder if there are people that come to mind that you're thinking, I just long to be able to share more of my faith with them. Well, now is the time. 
We need to do it in love. And who knows the effect that we might have on our loved ones through our words, our compassion, integrity. And we must keep at it. And I think this is what Jesus was saying, that sometimes it's going to be difficult. It was going to be difficult for the disciples. And then we come to the last part of our gospel lesson, and it concerns the weather. Now, Brits are preoccupied by the weather. We moan about it. We're all experts in it. Uh, Our island climate is changeable, though we could do with a little bit more change at the moment. And what Jesus was saying is, to the crowds and to his disciples, recognize the implications of my ministry as clearly as you recognize the changing weather. Are we hypocrites, is the question, who can readily speak about the weather but never about Jesus? Can we sense the thunderclouds approaching, but not the political, economic, environmental, ethical storms that are brewing in our time? Can we apply common sense during a drought, and yet are not alert to the spiritual dryness in this land? Can we be prepared and carry a brolly, and yet be unprepared? For the return of Christ when questions will be asked of us. Jeremiah and Jesus both call their listeners to read the signs of the times, to respond and to act accordingly, to be faithful. And when Jeremiah was faithful, it caused him much discomfort, and yet he said, within me there is a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in. I cannot. And that's what Jesus wants us to be like. Rather than his strong sense of impending doom being too hot to handle, it was too hot for him to hold in. So my challenge this morning is to encourage us all to read the Bible as a whole, not to be afraid to speak the hard word to our families, our friends, and even speaking truth to power. And I conclude with some words from John Wesley that we're about to sing, which I think sum this up nicely. Come, O thou all-victorious Lord, thy power to us make known. Strike with the hammer of thy word and break these hearts of stone. Give us ourselves and thee to know in this our gracious day, repentance unto life bestow and take our sins away. Conclude us first in unbelief and freely then release. Fill every soul with sacred grief and then with sacred grief. Peace. Amen.